0: Jesus, right now, I, I, I just with all of my heart, all of my being, pray that you would help me to get out of the way. That I would do nothing to hinder the word of God going forth to these here so that they would go into the community. Lord God, I pray that you would protect us against high philosophies and, and ideas that are out there. Lord, bring your word and sit them right here in our hearts. Help it to mold and shape us, to motivate us, to not just end here, God. We are so tired of just doing church on Sunday, but that you would make revival happen in our hearts, God, that we would take it into the community, that we would look at you and look at what you've done and realize that it's not about us. It's not about our ability. It's not about our skills or our gifts, but it's about what you have done. God, pray that you would show us that you came walking to us that you entered into fellowship with us and that you will be the one that steers and guides the boat of life as we seek you and as we seek reality and as we seek life and redemption and restoration God I pray that we would have an impact on our community through your power and through your coming and through your grace please Jesus bless the reading and the hearing of your word so that it would not be that it would not return voids, that it wouldn't be useless, God, that it wouldn't be in vain, but that it would be powerful to change and mold lives. I'm just a man, and these are just men and women out here, but you are God, and we bow down. We bow down to you in light of your grace, your mercy, and your power. I pray it in Jesus' name that you would come and send the Spirit. He would fill us up. Amen. I want to show you three things this morning from the scriptures. And that's what we're about here, okay? This is not some show. I want to share with you from the scriptures because the word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And when this goes in, power comes out, okay? I want to show you from the scriptures. I want to show you where Jesus came from, where he came from. I want to show you how he came, and I want to show you what he did. I want to show you where he came from how he came, and what he did. And then I want to show you the significance of what this means for me and for you. Because I know that you're weak. I know that you're scared. I know that you're wondering... What in the world could I do? I know that you're wondering, how can I turn myself in that direction? How can I be changed in such a way that I care about the things that you're talking about caring about? Because I don't care about those things. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is the one who cares. And Jesus Christ is the righteousness inside of you that will make you righteous. It will make you a light to men. And as we talked about in the bucket group on Wednesday night, He will rob you of your sin and He will empower you to change lives that you never thought was was even possible. God will make you fishers of men. You will be the voice of God. This is not a game. This is not little kid stuff. I'm telling you that you could be used by God to move spiritual mountains, to do physical miracles because God is God and there is no other. Come on, let's get together today. I need feedback today. We're talking about Jesus Christ today. And I want you, if you hear, I want you to give me feedback and let everybody else know that I'm not up here talking alone. That we are worshiping God and that we are learning. We are growing in wisdom and stature and that we will move for the kingdom of God. Amen? I won't do that again. I'm not going to ask you for it. But you give it if you want. Okay? All right. The first is where he came from. And we can learn a lot from this story right here. And once you see where Jesus came from, how he came, and why he did it, you will be transformed if the word sinks into your life because you can't read the word of God in a real way and let it sit on you and come into you and not be changed. There will be change, there will be movement, there will be power because God is God and there is no other. Listen to the scriptures. It says, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way out from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He came walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, "'It's the ghost!' and they cried out in fear. You see, everybody says, that's crazy. This was Jesus. They knew Jesus. But you've got to understand where Jesus comes from. And if you see Jesus like they saw Jesus, you will be scared too. You see, because Jesus is from somewhere else. Jesus is from somewhere else. We see, we try to think about Jesus in our life. And as we've heard the as we've heard the message over and over and over and over and over and over and over, what we've done is we've become callous of the fact that Jesus is the most powerful being in all of the universe. He's not just some grandpa in the sky. He's not some yuppie hippie, as Phil Phil would say on Duck Dynasty. He's not a yuppie. He doesn't get beat up. He's powerful. He's the baddest man that's ever touched the face of the earth. And he's worthy of your following. You see, he's not from here. He's from somewhere else. He's from somewhere else. You see, the disciples, it says that, that Jesus went up on the mountain. It says he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. You've got to understand, there's not any of us that was where he was. That he was in heaven with God, the Father and God, the Holy Spirit. He's completely other. He's powerful. He's eternal. He's immortal. He can never be denied. He can never be beaten. He always has victory at his right hand. He will never, ever, ever be denied. Jesus is power. He's power. And when you see that coming, you see, this is a little snapshot because it says that the boat was a long way out. They were way far away from Jesus Christ. They were a long way out, beaten by the waves and pushed by the wind. You see, we are all a long way out. We were a long way out. And we're beaten by the waves and pushed by the wind. And everything in this world is pushing you. It's pushing you. It's beating on you. It's beating on you. And until Jesus came, there was no power. But Jesus looked. Jesus looked. And he came to them. You see, you got to understand, when you're in a place of selfishness and idol worship, and you're all about you, and even the things that you do for others is really about you, when you see reality, when you see who Jesus is and what he's calling you to, it's terrifying. How many people, how many people have I met? How many people have I tried to evangelize? How many people have I shared the gospel with? And they're saying, but I don't want to let go. I don't want to let go. i got so much going on in my life right now. I don't want to let go. You see, Jesus Christ is not happy with halfway Christians. Jesus Christ didn't want you to give up anything. We have this wrong in our minds. We're all saying, God, I don't know. I don't want to give up. I don't want to change. And when Jesus starts walking up, everybody's, like, oh, my God. He's going to kill me because he will. He will kill the man but he will blow your mind at how he awakens your life. Jesus Christ comes walking out of the dark, out of somewhere else, out of some other place, something other than what they can even imagine in their minds. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? How many have ever been on a cruise? How many of have ever been fishing on a boat at night? How many of you know how dark it is? And, uh, and you just picture this now. You're out in the sea. Not on a lake, but you're out in the sea, and the the waves are just knocking you around. You're feeling kind of bad. You look out, and there's somebody walking on the water coming at you. I would say, it's a ghost, too. You know what I'm saying? And then I would have went and changed pants. I'm telling you, you think about this. You see, Jesus comes from somewhere else. That's why we can trust him. That's why we can trust him. Everybody wants to go to the self-help aisle. And they want self-esteem. And they want self-psychology and all this kind of stuff. Do you really think that you've got the ability to fix yourself? Absolutely not. That's absurd. If so, you wouldn't be in the mess that you got yourself in. Jesus Christ is from somewhere else. He offers outside help. He offers a bigger perspective. He does things that you cannot do. He walks up out of the dark and says, what's up? And everyone's like, ah! Jesus is completely other. He's completely other. But yet, he's completely the same. We'll get to that. That's the good part. You see, he came from somewhere else. And how else did he come? One other point on this is that he came from significant power. Sorry about that. He came from, my P's get me every time. He came from significant power. You see, going back to what I was saying just a second ago, is that we all got this picture of Jesus in our mind, or so many of us do, especially in the Bible Belt, because all we ever hear about Jesus is, oh, come down here, Jesus wants to love you, and and he wants to give you a hug. And so we got this picture of Jesus with, with, you know, kind of paisley looking, not paisley, but like, I forgot that word paisley in my head because my wife, but He's, he's got this like, you ever seen the picture? You know what I'm talking about. He's got this really lavender looking, nice flowing gown. And uh, he's got long, really nice hair. It's like down to here. Really soft, smooth complexion. I like think he, he's proactive. He's got, he's got a goatee sometimes, and he's like this, you know. And we think of him kind of limp-wristed, you know, hey, you know. And he wants to give you a hug. But I'm telling you right now, that is not Jesus. That's not Jesus. Jesus was a rough roughneck carpenter who had calluses on his hands. He walked everywhere that he went so he had dirty feet. And they stunk, I'm sure. That's why he's always washing feet. He swung a hammer. He was a man's man. He taught other people how to swing hammers. That's what he did. He was a builder. And in Revelation 19, if you think of Jesus as this limp-wristed hippie who always wants to hug, and I agree that Jesus not—he doesn't just want to love. You've heard my, my sermon on that. He is love. But I want to tell you, he is perfectly balanced. Because Revelation 19 says that, that he will come on a horse in a white gown, ready to fight with a sword coming out of his mouth and fire in his eyes, and he will have his day. And no one... No one will come against him and live. Hey, and I didn't write it, but in Revelation 19, it says, And on his robe and on his thigh is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus got a tattoo? That's another day. That's another day. I'm not going there right now, but I'm just reading you the script. I just quoted it. I just quoted it. But all I'm saying is, is that Jesus is bad. And he will not be denied. He will come and he will have his day. And in the end, no one, no one, no one will stand against Jesus and live. No one. No one. And you know how I know? Is that nobody wears a white robe to a fight who ain't bad to the bone. He ain't getting dirty. And as a matter of fact, it says the train of his robe is dipped in the blood of his enemies, where he's put them in the wine press of his wrath. Get with it or get crushed. That's just truth. I'm sorry. It's just truth. No, I'm not sorry. All right. So he came from significant power. So I want you to picture this. He came from somewhere else. He came from somewhere else and they're looking at him. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. What in the world? It's a ghost. It's a ghost. Because he's walking on the water. The water says, okay, you can walk on me. And he walks on the water. That's power. You know what that stirs up in us? It either stirs up one or two things. If you don't know him, it's fear. And you better be afraid. If you do know him, it's, oh, can I do that too? And he says, yeah, come on. You see? You see? The second point for you is how he came. And this is where we get to the, other, the balance. See, he's always balanced. We're going to do a series after Easter, <coughs> and it'll be a political language, but I'm not political at all. It'll be political language, but I'm going to show you, it'll be a study on the Word of God. And I'm going to show you how Jesus Christ is in the middle. He is in the middle. I told you that we are partnering with a church in Asheville, North Carolina, called Centrality Church. This is the basis of their church, really ours too, but they built their name on it. Jesus Christ is always in the middle. And so what I want to do right now is I want to show you is that not only, not only did Jesus come from power, he came and will not be denied. He can't be shut down. He can't be turned away. He did die on a cross, but you remember what he's told him. You remember what he told them? When, he, when Herod was there, and Herod, you know, he was talking to Jesus about doing what he was going to do. What did he say? He, now, he knows everything. But looking at Herod, knowing that he was about to die, this should do something inside of you. Knowing that he was about to die, he knew exactly what Herod could do to him. He looked at Herod and he says, you've got nothing on me except what the Father gives you. Nothing. Do what you've got to do. That is absolute boldness and courage like no other. Let somebody tell you they're gonna take you life, and you say, "What you gonna do?" I lay my life down. I take my life up again. Do your worst. You see, not only did he come from power, so he looked at where he came from. He came from power. He came from significant power, and he came from somewhere other than us. But I want to show you how he came, because it gives us the other side of the coin. It gives us another facet of the diamond it shows you another listen to this so he came walking on the sea with power that even even the water would obey that universally we know that when you jump in water you sink but he said water i want you to be solid for right now and the ocean said yes sir but now listen to this they saw him walking On the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And there's an exclamation mark there. And they cried out in fear and said, It's a ghost! But immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart. Take heart. It's I. It is I. It's me. Don't be afraid. He come walking on the water. And they were terrified. They were scared. And he's like, Hold up. Don't be scared. It's just me. It's me. Don't be afraid. You see, Jesus Christ, the way that he came, he came from power. But the way that he came was in humility. He came like me and you. He came like me and you. So that he could do what we could not do. You see, we're weak. He came in weakness. We're frail. He came in frailty. We are flesh. We are not somewhere else but he was somewhere else and came to the flesh. So he came out of power into weakness so that he could look at the disciples and not just kill them, but say, hold up, it's me. You know me. You know me. I'm like you. We've walked together. We've eaten fish together. I was just with you on the land. It's me. It's me. He came in humility as a fellow, as a friend. So the book of Philippians (coughs) chapter 2 said that he emptied himself of all power. (coughs) And he took on the form of a bondservant. He took on the form of man as a slave to to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, he came in humility. This is, the two, this is the life of Jesus. Jesus was God who was there for eternity and power and significance and could have stomped everyone into the ground because of their sin. But what did he do? He emptied himself of all the power taking the form of a man. He came to the earth. This is called the incarnation. And he became like me and you. So the most powerful being to ever exist in the universe came down out of heaven and he walked the earth in the uttermost humility and weakness and shame. You see? You see how he's perfect for you? He's perfect for you. He is what you are not. But then he's just like you. He's just like you. We do not have a high priest that is unable to to sympathize with us. He's been through what you've been through. Yes, he is powerful. And one day, his power will be known. And it's been known. But also, he stands beside you, and he sits beside you right now. And he says, what's up? It's me. It's me. Come on. It's me. So you see, he came like you came so that he could... Help to you and walk with you he came in utter humility as as a friend as a friend he looks at him and he says but immediately jesus spoke to them saying take heart at his eye don't be afraid how many of you today you you see god in one or the other you see god as this powerful being out there that you're so sinful that you can't even look his way you're in the boat and you're terrified oh my god don't look at me jesus don't look at me jesus how many of you see him that way? And you're so scared. You're so scared. I'm telling you today, listen to his voice. He says, behold, it is I. It's me. Don't be afraid. Take heart. Take courage. stand up. Has Jesus spoken into your life that way? How many of you are on the other side that you can't see the power of God? Is that you talk about Jesus, and, but you, you don't let him have any power in your life. You do your own thing. You do whatever you want to. Yeah, he's there. Remember the child one? You know, go away sometime else, Jesus. Go on, you bother him. I got things to do. Jesus is going to smack you off of that high horse. Or he will climb on the donkey and ride with you. Jesus is for you and not against you. Where are you? He is significantly powerful, but he came in humility. This is all that we need to be. And he is the way. Second, he came willingly. Look at it. It says, Go back up to 23. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was, by this time, was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. You see, I know, and I want every one of you to think about this is that Jesus had perfect communion, he had perfect relationship, he was a part of the Trinity, and there was nothing but love between the the three, and they were perfectly content, perfectly content. And he had this relationship where he was all-powerful, all-significant, all-worthy, all-knowing, in perfection, in perfection. But he looks down at you. He looks out onto the sea. He sees the boat. The boat is bouncing up and down. The waves are beating on the boat. How many of you are in a boat right now that's being beat to death? Don't you know that Jesus is walking to you on the water? Don't you know that he crossed things that could not be crossed just to get to you? Don't don't you know that he knows you're being pushed by the wind? Don't you know that he knows everything in life is pushing against you? It's rocking your boat. You don't know what to do. You're being pushed back and you can't go forward. But don't you know he's coming to you? And he's crossing the water. He's crossing bridges. He's building them. There's nothing that can stop Jesus from coming to you. If you don't know Jesus, it's because you will not get out of the boat. He has crossed the water for you. He came willingly. We go back to the story of Herod, and and Jesus says you don't take my life from me, man. You have no power except for what my Father has given you. I lay my life down and I pick my life back up again. The Bible says that he could have called 10,000 legions of angels to get him down any second. And if that would have been me on the cross, I'd have been like, they wouldn't even have known. I'd have been like, (laughs) people would have been exploding. And I'd have been like, Sorry, Dad, just that one. I I got this now. You know what held him on the cross? It wasn't wasn't the fact that he was God. He was. It wasn't the fact that he he, uh, didn't feel pain. He felt pain. It wasn't the fact that, you know, he was just this lofty being who could do that thing. You know, the Bible says that he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, he he sweated drops of blood that he poured himself out. We're going to take the Lord's Supper in, in just a few weeks. And you know what the Lord's Supper is about? It's about the broken body and the poured out blood of Jesus Christ. Ooh, can't wait for that. But you know what held him on the cross? It wasn't his power. It wasn't his command of everything. It had to be. His love. Had to be. Hebrews chapter um, 2 says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. For the joy that was set before him. Now, I don't want to get off on this, but there's been commentators over the years and, you know, different types of theologies that said, What's the joy? What's the joy? What's the joy? And a lot of people want to say the joy was the glorification of the father it was all about god for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross despising its shame but i want to say this and i believe in the sovereignty of god i believe that it's all about god i I, I preach that every sunday i hope you get that it's all about jesus it's not about you it's not about me it's all about god and if you go through hard times it's worth it if god is glorified because he's working something good inside of you for all things work together for the greater good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose amen it's all about God. But Jesus Christ, I told you, he came from power. He came from somewhere else. He already had the glory of the Father. He already had relationship with the Father. He already had relationship with the Spirit. He had perfect glorification of the Father right where he was. There was no need for him to come down here unless it was for you. It was love that held Jesus Christ on the cross. And when he was there and the pain was writhing and he was shaken because he was about to die. And it wasn't from the cross that he died, but it was was a fixation because he would slump down and he couldn't breathe. And they had to prop him back up again. I'll share this with you because I think it's important. You need to know what Jesus Christ went through for you. Do you know what they had to do? See, when people were on the cross, there's a word that comes from being on the cross. It was so bad and so horrible and so gruesome, they had to make a word for it. You know what it is? Excruciating. It means from the cross excruciating from the cross do you know that many people and there were thousands of people crucified do you know that many people while they're on the cross it was so horrible that they would actually slump down so that they could go ahead and get it over with it was so bad that people would kill themselves on the cross and what they would do was they would put this little seat on the cross right behind the butt of the man or the woman and when they crucified women, they would often crucify women facing the cross because the look on the women's face was too horrible to bear. And so they would put this little seat under the man to keep him from killing himself because this was, a, this was a planned out, well thought out means of execution. It was meant to pull the most suffering possible. And so some men, they would still slide off the seat and slump down and I'm going gonna, gonna to be careful how vivid I say this, but for those men, you know what they did to hold them onto the cross? They would lift them back up, and they would take their male parts and nail it to the cross so that he could not slide down. Jesus could have stopped at any second, but he looked at you. He looked at you. And he looked at me in the boat that is being beaten I will not come down I will not come down that is love that is willingness you cannot force that and that was for you don't you see don't you see This is what changes our lives forever. This is why I'll never be the same. I'll never shut up for Jesus. I'll never stop. I'll, to the day that I die, I don't see how people become Christians and then turn away. It's because they stop looking. It's gotta be. Because when you see Jesus, you're forever changed and you'll never be the same. That's what he did for you. It's time for us to stop playing church because when you start looking at that, it will move you. It will move you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to come back on Sunday, get built up, and go back out and do it again. If Jesus Christ can stay on the cross, then I'm going. I'm going. You gonna go? It's time for us to go. Jesus Christ came willingly, running out of time, Getting excited. Point number three. I've shown you you where he came from, how he came. I want to show you what he did. And this is good. And there'll be a run at the end that God showed me. And if it's like God showed me, I might dance. Don't make fun of me. I want to show you what he did, verses 29 through 33. 29 through 33. We'll start in 28. And Peter answered him, Lord... If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, when he took his eyes off Jesus and he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. You are the Son of God. I I had a sub-point on this, and I think it'll be up here this way because I didn't give it to Grant to change. The subpoint will be: Go ahead and put the subpoint up. The subpoint is: He called people to the impossible. But I went back and changed that because why? He did call people to the impossible. I don't. That doesn't. That doesn't give you the same connotation that I want to share with you. Because when we see this, when we look at this, we see Jesus was walking on the water. He was displaying power, yet humility, because he came to them and he identified with them. He said, it's me, it's me. I am powerful, but it's me. You've got somebody with power that is just saying, it's me. Don't be scared. But I went back and changed this because what we don't see is Jesus saying, get out of the boat. Jesus didn't say, thank you very much. Jesus didn't say, get out of the boat, did he? And that's my wife's doing. Thank you. Good wife and good friend. Jesus didn't call him to the impossible. I mean, he did in, in a way. But he didn't call him. When Jesus walked up, he didn't say, don't fear your desire. Get out and come over here with me. I went back and changed it, and I put he drew people. So if you're taking notes, he drew people to the impossible. He drew them to the impossible. You see, everybody talks about, what's the will of God? What's the will of God? How do I get called? What's the will of God? Let me tell you something right now. There's nobody ever going to tell you, okay, Wesley, you're going to be a worship leader, buddy. There's nobody ever going to say, Heath, you're going to be a Christian man that leads your family. There's nobody ever going to say, they might. They might say you need to do that. But you see, what happens is, and we see this with Jesus Christ, the presence of Jesus draws you Draws you to a place of doing the impossible. I really looked drew right then, didn't I? It like I had a rope on me. Thank you. He drew people to the impossible. You see, when Jesus saw him walking, I mean, when Peter saw Jesus walking on the water, you know what Peter did? At first he was like, oh no, I'm going to die as a ghost. But then... When Jesus spoke to him and he was in the presence of his friend, Jesus, I mean, Peter runs over to the edge of the boat and he says, let me go, let me go. You know, have you ever been in this? And dads will really respond to this and moms too. My kids, they love to do what I do. They do. I don't ask them to do it. I try to sneak out of my house to get on the lawnmower. Lawnmower cranks up, my oldest is like, Mama here, lawnmower. He's grown outside. He's on the lawnmower. I can be doing like the most wretched of jobs. You know, I'm digging a ditch in the backyard. But my son, he's like, can I dig a ditch too? I'm like, sure, my child, you're so unexperienced. Here's the medic. And he's like, you know. When we see the power and the significance of Jesus, he does call you. But you know how he calls you? Because this is absolutely contrary to some teaching and maybe different than you've ever heard it. Everybody, I don't want to say everybody. A lot of people are telling you, a lot, a lot of legalism is going around and religiosity. This, let me show you how to do it. But what Jesus is saying is that this book right here, you can view it in two ways. You can look at this book as a roadmap, roadmap to your life, and I'm not, not knocking anybody that's ever used that before. That's, that's okay if you explain it. You can look at this as a roadmap and a, and a book of instructions by how you should use, you know, live your life and, and do that type of thing, but it will crush you. Wait. <coughs> because you cannot do what this book is calling you to do. This book is not about you. This book is not a roadmap to your life in that way. This book is not uh, 10 Steps to a Better Life. This book is not an instruction manual for how you are to get things done. This is life-altering stories about Jesus Christ that will rock your world and draw you out of the boat into places that you can't even imagine you should go. This book will make you walk on the water of life. This is not an instruction manual. It is a story about the king of kings who does things that other people can't even dream of. You see, Peter didn't say jesus what should i do <laughs> peter couldn't help it he saw jesus walking on the water he's like oh can i come god if it's really you if you really got this kind of power can i get involved you see i'm not up here telling you you need to get to work you see I, I talk to people about a partnership class and the bucket groups and and working in kidwell and working in the greeter team and they hear you hear you might be hearing could you please come help me i need help it's not what i'm saying I'm asking you if you would like to be involved in the King of Kings, making a move in Landrum that will not be stopped. If you don't do it, somebody else will. I am inviting you to be a part of a movement. I am inviting you to be used by the King of Kings to make a difference that will never fall. It'll never fade. It'll crumble. And as he said this morning in our team meeting, that the eternal things are the only things that you can take with you. Do you want some? Do you want some? Don't stop at this right here. Be changed by seeing Jesus move. Are you seeing Jesus move? When you see and behold the king moving in power, it should draw you to a place. What can I do? Can I get out? Can I walk on the water? Can I, be a, can I be a part of that? There's people getting saved down here. People being healed down here. Stuff I can't even believe. Stuff I'm like, oh my, what's God doing? Let me shut up and get out of the way so God can do his thing. But I'm thankful that I can be a part. He draws people to the impossible. Peter was the one to say, can I get out? Can I get out? You take a look at Jesus. That's why you'll rarely hear me say you need to do these things. Now, please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. There are ways that you should live. There are evidences of the Christian faith. But this should be a result of your interaction with Jesus, not of self-effort or gumption. I'm not telling you to stop being bad and start being good. I'm telling you to be changed. Be forever changed. Don't let the Ten Commandments be a description of, or or don't let the Ten Commandments be rules and regulations by which one should live their life. Let them be a description of your life because you've been overwhelmingly changed by Jesus Christ. You see? One is a weight, crushes you. The other is Jesus saying, I know you can't, I can't. I know you can't, I did. I did. Matthew chapter five says that not one jot, not one tittle shall be removed, shall go away until the letter of the law is fulfilled. He fulfilled it. Perfect obedience to the cross. He obeyed when you could not obey. He made the impossible possible. You see, he drew you out. He's drawing you out right now. And how many of you today, how many of you right now are saying, yes, 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 can I go, can I go, can I go? But just in a second, just in a minute when we have the invitation, you'll say, I won't. I can't. Don't put him off. And some of you said, but I'm already a Christian. I'm already done that. Is the evidences of Jesus' power evident in your life? If it's not, let's make a move. I'm not up here for my help. I'm up here to show you the king so that you could be forever changed and make a difference where you are through the power of Jesus. You see, Peter saw Jesus' power, and he says, can I get out? Can I get out? Can I get out? And Jesus says, yeah, come on. And so he jumped out. And he's doing good for a minute. He's looking at Jesus like he's supposed to be doing. And all of a sudden, he starts to go down. And he gets scared. When he took his eyes off of Jesus, he got scared. But Jesus says, grabbed him. You see, many of you think, I can't do that. I can't do that. I know. How many times does Jesus have to say, I know. That's why I did it. Everybody says, I'm not good enough to come. I'm not good enough to come. Well, then you're in a perfect spot to come because you realize you're not good enough to come. Of course, you're not good enough to come. That's why you need to come. It's not the well who need a doctor, but the sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. You've got to come. And when you come, know that you will fail. He does. But you know that he is the one that is there to pull you out now in closing and if you want to come and tickle that thing I like that I want you to to think about something I know you've heard a lot of preachers and I'm not anything special I know you've heard a lot of preachers I know you've heard a lot of messages But what if God is doing a new work in your life today? Uh, What if God is helping you to see this message from another angle so that it might change your life like it never has before? You see, we could stop the sermon right here. And I could say, Jesus is powerful. He came in humility, willingly, like you. Now get out of the boat. You would say, okay i got to get out of the boat. But that's what I was talking about, about the crushing weight. You see, you can't even get out of the boat. You can't even get out of the boat until Jesus has come. This truly is about Jesus. and as we, And as we conclude, <clears throat> I want to show you something. I'm not telling you to get out of the boat. To the degree that you understand what Jesus has done, you will be able to get out of the boat. You see, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, oh, he came to you. He came to you because you were unwilling to go to him. He came to you because you were unwilling to go to him. He was the one. He was the one that got out of the boat. You see, he's from somewhere else. He didn't have to get out of the boat, he was fine. He came to you in the midst of the storm, and it was him who climbed out of the boat. It was him who climbed out of eternity. It was him who got out into the middle of nowhere. He was the one that got out of the boat, not you. And he started to sink. He got out of eternal perfection into the sinful flesh so he could be like you. And he started to sink into this eternal, this this sinful flesh. And he started to sink down deep. And it was coming up and it was coming up. Don't you remember? And Jesus cries out, why God? Is there another way? If there's a way that this cup can, can pass from me, please, is there another way? and he was sinking into the sinful flesh of man, though he did not deserve it. He came for me, and he came for you, and he climbed out of the boat, and as he sank into sin, he reached out his hand, and he said, my God, my God. But as Jesus reached out and grabbed Peter, nobody reached out to grab Jesus. And he sank into the sinfulness of flesh so that you, could be lifted to glory and power and be seated on high don't you see I'm not I'm not asking you to get out of the boat I'm asking you to believe in the one who got out of the boat it's Jesus it's Jesus it's Jesus Now that Jesus has gotten out of the boat, and you've seen him get out of the boat, will you fall into the arms of the one who got out of the boat? The life of Jesus Christ is signified by many different things, but today, his power, but in the uttermost humility, so that he could willingly get out of the boat for you because you can't. And he's not looking to lift you up and and do something. He's looking to come in and fill you and to give you his sacrifice to sink down deep into the water so that you could walk on him so that you could be a part. This is not... This is not a three-step process on how to be a better person. I am looking for the impossible today. To be made possible by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He willingly went to the cross. Shed off his eternal power. So that in your humility and weakness, you could be made strong and lifted high. He got out of the boat for you. He got out of the boat for you. And as we all stand to our feet, I want to ask you today, and I just feel this presence of Jesus moving today. The presence of the Spirit is here. And I want to ask you, when you stood up, did something change? And I'm talking to you, you know who I'm talking to. And Jesus was saying, I got out of the boat for you. And I want, to, I want to show you how to walk on the water. I'm not looking to play games with you anymore. I'm not looking for you to be a good boy. I'm not looking for you to be a, a good guy. The boat's rocking. The boat's rocking. I'm the one who calms the storms. I'm the one. Who makes things happen? I'm the one who walked on the water. I'm the one who got out of the boat. I'm the one who sinks. So don't sink. Don't sink. I've already sunk. Don't sink. There are those of you here today who are in pain, who are hurting. But there are those of you today also who are lazy. And you're not looking, you're blind. God has moved. And God is powerful. And He's asking you, He's he's drawing you by the sound of His voice, by the power in His hand, to step out and be used by God. We've got to stop playing games. So, in that vein, in that note, I open this floor to you, O sinner, to you who are weak. Shout it out, I am weak, I am too. That's why the one who is strong came. For those of you who are scared, hear Jesus say, it is I. Do not be afraid. Come. Jesus says, come. Come. Let's do this together with Jesus. Who will come? who will come today is the day please come you know this last song we're going to do I really didn't know what direction.